0: Hey, how to write a novel. Here's a little preamble to this episode. Because I recorded this episode a little while ago. I'm still not caught up on episodes. I never... (laughs) it's like someday. Someday I'll catch up so that I record an episode and put it out. But uh, I'm still a few episodes behind. So when I recorded this episode, the uh, fucking coronavirus pandemic was not such a big deal man that uh the company that makes corona beer they must be like what the fuck really (laughs) like you couldn't have chose a different like you couldn't have picked a different name man but yeah this episode starts with my traditional kind of complaining about my hometown and uh the weirdness of being here but uh but yeah, now that we're in full-swing pandemic preparedness mode, uh, I'm actually pretty happy to be here. Like, this is actually the best place to be. Because yeah, as I was saying, it's, uh, it's just empty. It's an empty, nowhere part of the world. Fucking Atlantic Canada is kind of a good place to be right now. Because, uh, cause yeah, it's a weird time. It's like, people are really taking this seriously, which, uh, I mean, is a good thing. Because for anyone listening to this in the future, I'm sure you know all about the coronavirus of 2020. But you know, it started off in China and it's like, man, well, you know, China's got a billion people and it's crazy. Their government sucks. The infrastructure's crazy. Like, it's a bummer that uh, bad things are happening there, but it also was not surprising. You know, it's like, man, that place is like a powder keg waiting for something crazy and bad to happen. And then it started spreading to, you know, South Korea and Japan, and it's like, all right, well, it's getting a little weird, but that's still a world away. I think the real freaky thing was Italy. Italy just got destroyed by this thing. The whole country had to go into lockdown just because a few people showed up with it, and it spread everywhere, and, uh, and, you know, it's like the flu times 10. It's just killing off a bunch of people. There's no infrastructure to deal with that level of sickness. Not enough beds, not enough doctors, everyone. It's all fucking horrible. So North America went into lockdown pretty hard and pretty fast. And uh, in this part of the world, it definitely does seem excessive, but I'm not criticizing. It's kind of great that everyone is taking this shit serious because we are like two weeks behind Italy. It's like seeing two weeks into the future. Like that could be us. It's that easy for just the invisible germ fucking pandemic to pandem you. (laughs) What is that? Now I'm imagining somebody finding this or listening to this after everyone's fucking desiccated corpse is just laying on the ground somewhere. but uh, <laughs> But yeah, that's where it's nice to be in this fucking nowhere town, in this nowhere part of uh, a kind of nowhere country. <laughs> but like I'm even thinking of other places. I mean, like this would be so much more stressful even if i was just in vancouver or toronto you know there's just so many more people and so much more traffic going through it and uh and yeah like all of these procedures to uh shut down public events and make sure you do social distancing you know not to get too close to people and just all the stuff people are trying to do to make sure that they don't pass on any sickness it would be a lot scarier because it, it does seem kind of Like, all you can do is try to mitigate it. You're not going to stop it, you know, it's going to happen. People are going to get this thing, it's going to spread. You just try to make it less bad, you know? And then when I think, like, God, thank God I'm not in, like, Tokyo. Like, I just imagine those trains and, like, the least busy day in Tokyo. You know, there were some days where it's like, oh, yeah, a bit of a slow day today, still really busy. And that's when, yeah, it's like it's, it would be better to just stay home, like, fuck it, let's not risk this, this is crazy. So I'm actually real glad that I'm in my shitty hometown, <laughs> in this shitty part of the world. It's the perfect place to be, because around here, everyone is still doing all the stuff, all the government offices are closed. Uh, just today, finally, the coffee shops were like, no more, you can still come in and buy stuff, but no one can sit here, no one can stay. Schools are all closed. The mall's not quite closed yet. My cousin works there, but he's like, they're talking about it because no one's fucking here anyway. But around here it's very realistic to uh, not really have to be close to anybody, you know? There are no subways. There is no reason to be in a contained situation or near anyone. Social distancing was happening here anyway. (laughs) That's just how it is here and now it's even more so and yeah it just it doesn't it doesn't feel very stressful the way it definitely would if i was in a bigger city so for all my complaining this actually worked out pretty well the perfect time to be home and even here i mean there are a little handful of cases of this fucking coronavirus in this province because uh, it was someone who came in from from Paris. They're not in this town but I guess they did come in through this airport and uh, yeah I mean it's just it's that easy you know <laughs> just like literally anyone if anyone has been anywhere that's all it takes and from what I understand like that is kinda what happened in Italy it was just again, very small number of people. Some people say it could have even been one person This set it all off. So it's not completely virus-free here, I guess. I mean, like, nowhere will be, I guess. That's the creepy thing is it seems like this thing is just gonna coat the globe and you just gotta mitigate it as much as possible. But I think we're going to mitigate it pretty fucking good here because it's empty. But yeah, famous last words in case we all die. Yeah, it is definitely a little weird, like I'm uh, in the old, uh, the old forest on the, uh, on the hill that I'm always recording from, but you know, normally there's a coffee shop at the bottom of the hill and another one at the top of the hill, so you know, I'll stop in there and do some stuff, but now it's like there are no seats and it even felt weird to go in. It's like, I mean, everyone is fine in this town, as, as it stands. It's really, it's weird, we're going through the pageantry and I'm glad we are, but there is really no reason Right now, no one here in Fredericton, New Brunswick has this shit, but it just, uh, like even just going in and buying a coffee, it did, you know, it, you feel the social pressure of like, why am I doing this? Do I really need to be in here buying this coffee right now? Do I need to be stressing out these clerks? Like, why, why are they having to deal with me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> They don't know who I am. They don't know where I've been. So yeah, the new routine is just uh, just to come here because fuck it, I gotta do something. I gotta do something in my day to not just be indoors all day, because I'll go nuts. So I just come here to not go to the coffee shop, to not get any work done, just to walk up the hill and through the mountain and around in a circle and back, because just fuck it, you know, <laughs> just for some exercise. But anyway, I just thought I would mention that because yeah, this episode of course just starts with me uh, Complaining about being here, so uh, I just thought I would update because it would sound pretty goddamn tone deaf if I was saying all this shit <laughs> in the in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. but this was all recorded like a fucking few weeks ago before things were like this. I should also mention too a uh, different topic, but uh, one of the things I bring up about you know why. It sucks being home in my fucking hometown and in my house I grew up in. Is my parents had a rat problem a few years ago and they brought in a bunch of exterminators and stuff and they dealt with it, but they came back this winter. And I complain about that a bit, but since then they've managed to just block up every possible entrance to the house and finally, like, Made sure there's nothing around for the the rats to eat and they just they finally we finally like battled them back They finally left because there's just nothing for them in this house But they are super persistent and it's not easy to win against rats and uh, and I guess uh, Before my complaints about rats happen in the episode proper. I'd also like to say I, I do kind of I kind of respect rats I've always kind of had this feeling that This sounds bad to say, but I feel like the closest, like obviously we're technically closest to apes and chimps and stuff like that. And, you know, we feel a lot more empathy and connection with cats and dogs, but I've always thought the human race, if we had an analog, if we had an animal that we are most like, to me it's rats. (laughs) And that sounds bad because people are like, oh, rats, rats suck. But why I feel like the human race reminds me of rats is because rats are unstoppable. Like rats, I guess you could say cockroaches too, but... Cockroaches don't have the will of a rat. They don't have the intelligence of a rat. They just have the survivability. Rats are clever. Like my parents put out all these traps. They didn't trap a fucking thing. These rats are too smart for that. They'll never stop. They always just strive to survive. And what really made me start to think this way about rats is hearing stories about rats swimming through water pipes. Like there's stories of rats coming up through people's toilets because they started swimming through a pipe that they did not know where the end of it was, you know? They don't know if they're gonna make it. And they're like, you know what? This is an option that we have not explored yet. We're gonna explore every possibility. We're gonna do everything we can in this environment To continue the spread of rats (laughs) and if that means swimming through this pipe and drowning then we're going to do it because we might not drown what if we make it to the end what if there's something there (laughs) like we're crazy we'll do anything we'll explore every option we will you can't stop us we'll try anything and to me that is really what i feel like is one of the upsides to the human race like You know, our spread obviously can destroy environments, can, you know, ruin the natural world. You know, we can just be too much. We're just everywhere. We won't stop. But we're going to take that philosophy and like we're going to leave this planet someday. You know, we're going to spread ourselves out through the fucking universe. Even though it's crazy, even though we might not make it, even though it could be suicide, just because we have to. We have to try. We have to spread we're going to be the rats of the universe, (laughs) you know, which sounds bad. But then what if, like, what if you take that idea far enough? What if we spread to the point that like we can rearrange planets and change orbits and stuff? And what if, what if we become like the caretakers of the universe? You know, what if it's like, oh, well, this thing was going to crash and this was going to be destroyed and this was all going to be a problem. But because we spread out like our own virus everywhere, and tried every option, and figured out every little thing we could. And just our tendrils are everywhere, and now we can use that to help things. And even if we don't, just the fact of spreading, I think it's it's kind of admirable and amazing. <laughs> and like in that sense, I'm like, fuck yeah, rats, do your thing. But when the rats are in your house, they're super creepy, and uh, it's very unpleasant. So yeah, let's cut to the episode proper now. And talk about some rats and shit. What even is this podcast, right? I swear to God, though, you get through this, and then you get through the next preamble. I do talk about writing. I fucking swear I do. All right, let's cut to the wonderful pre-pandemic world for an episode of How to Write a Novel. Here we go. Hello, welcome to How to Write a Novel. I'm on the mountain in Fredericton. It's still nice and snowy and awesome. And it's a little weird because the weather is uh, a little better lately, but it's still, you know, winter when I'm downtown, I gotta be all bundled up because it's cold as shit. But then you get into the forest and there's all these trees, so there's really no wind in here. And walking uphill just uh, exerts a lot more energy turn into a little furnace, and it's like, man, suddenly this coat is way too much. I'm burning up. But I got no choice, man. This big coat's all I got. Fucking winter. It's weird. So, uh, man, when I used to do this podcast every day, definitely one benefit was if I had a thought, you know, I just got it out. Where uh, I was thinking about this last week, I just didn't get around to recording it yet, so it seems a little less at the front of my mind now but maybe that'll keep the episode a little shorter i won't uh, fucking ramble at as great a length but i just wanted to say uh coming back to my hometown so i mean this is uh i can't completely blame my hometown because uh i've noticed i say this a lot like oh man i moved to japan for the summer and it fucked me all up and made my schedule hard to keep track of and i'm back in canada and ah uh, it fucked me all up and Back in Toronto, oh man, it fucked me all up. So back in Fredericton, it fucked me all up. Around here though, it really is, it's brutal, man. My fucking house, my parents' house, it's like they've got these yappy dogs that bark like crazy right before they're let out for the last time to pee at night, which is at like 11.30 or midnight. Like this piercing, horrifying bark that I've got pretty sensitive hearing anyway, but I can't sleep through that. It's impossible. It wakes me up every time. Even if they're on a different floor of the house, and if they're on the same floor as me, fucking forget about it. it like It's like having a heart attack. I just fucking like, ah, shit, I'm awake. What the fuck? And then they do the same thing in the morning at like 7.30 in the morning when they're sent out to pee again. So I got this really particular window. Can't go to sleep before this time, but I can't sleep in past this time. I end up having to break my sleeping into like two pieces, just to like wait for the house to settle down again and then go back to sleep. So I'm always kind of discombobulated in that way. And then there's just the weirdness of family and my parents and my brother and all this shit. And the city, like I was saying, is just a small ass piece of shit. The bus comes once an hour on Sunday. Sunday's ridiculous. I forgot that this is how Sunday always used to be that like No buses run, everything's closed. And the house is kind of creeping me out in general because they had this like rat problem a few years ago and they brought in exterminators and got rid of them and everything was hunky-dory. But this winter the rats are back and I think they've got it more or less under control now. I haven't seen them in a while. But at night, yeah, just like I'd go into the kitchen without really thinking about it and you just see this like they're big this big rat scurry away into its little weird hole that it's dug into the corner like underneath the cabinet or where they come up like through the basement and there's just something just fundamentally disturbing about it. it's just like ugh, vermin you know so it's like i gotta keep this door to my room always closed and then there's a little hallway to the kitchen and i gotta make sure that door's closed too and i just got this thing in my mind that it's like i gotta make sure these doors stay closed Because I don't want, like, just the idea that a rat could be scurrying around while I'm sleeping, it's so disturbing. It's just, it's just so hard to get comfortable with that idea. And these dogs are such useless little pieces of shit. One of them's a terrier, the other one's this other little dog, I don't know what kind it is. And the terrier's supposed to be like a ratter, that's supposed to be what they're bred for, is to fucking... But these things could never catch a rat in a million years because they're just barking all the time and announcing themselves and they're just fucking idiots. And I noticed like I got, I went to the dentist and you know, they give you the little uh, free toothpaste. And I had that in the upstairs bathroom and there was like, some rat had nibbled its way through the toothpaste just to see what was in there. And that made me realize like, oh man, some rat crawled all the way upstairs down the hall, past the sleeping fucking dogs, into the bathroom and started gnawing at this toothpaste. It's like these rats could just, ugh, and these dogs are of no use whatsoever. So I mentioned that to my mom. I'm like, why don't you get some cats? Like we always had cats when I was growing up. Get some cats, man. They'll have a great time battling these fucking rats. But they can't do that because the little dogs are such fucking little dumb assholes. They can't coexist with cats. They're just all, especially the terrier, it's all violent and weird. Basically, it's just, it's a pain in the ass to be home. Like, that song, "Fucking Home for a Rest? Home for a rest, my ass, you know? I feel like I'm just seeing how long I can hang on at home. And, uh, and when I think of, like, being on a long layover in Taipei, that seems restful. Like, ah, stuck at the foreign airport all afternoon. Now that's a restful situation. Being at home is the opposite of that. So my little process fell apart once again, but basically the nice thing is like, I've kind of built up the amount of things I write every day, you know, that I work on three or four different little things. So I let them all fall to the wayside, except the main novel. It's like, you know what, I I got some padding here. I got some extra fat I can let go of. I can let all these things go for now. And as long as I just stick with the main novel No skin off my back, no skin off my nose, not a big deal. But I realized that I should try to get my shit back together a little more to at least work on my two major stories, where there's obviously the one about the space station and the rhino girl and all that shit. And then there's the other one that I talked about a little while back, about the two little kids trapped on an island together. And I basically kind of like got myself, whipped myself back into shape of like, buddy, get back to work on that one too. Work on that one every day. Don't let that one slide because... let's see, how do I fucking explain this? Well, <laughs> so right now I'm really just focused on writing. I just want to make it to the end of writing a novel. That's the main thing. I don't want to overburden myself or overpressure myself worrying about stuff too far in the future. Specifically, what do I do with this thing? How do I get it published? What's gonna happen with that? I don't know, I'll figure it out then. Because you could make the argument I could do that now and be more prepared when the time comes. But I just know myself. I know that if I overburden myself too much, everything will grind to a stop. This whole enterprise will fail. That's just not what works for me. What's important right now is to just get to the end of writing this novel, and then I can figure out what to do with it after. Can move my focus to the next stage but i still do just listen to random little podcasts or youtube fucking videos or whatever about writing shit once in a while and one of them i listened to recently was a was a literary agent talking about how if you want to be published by one of the apparently there's five the big five major publishers which isn't there five in music also i wonder how many movie studios are considered major for some reason there's always five But if you want that, you need a literary agent, basically. You gotta go through an agency. And she kind of described that process a bit and what that's about, you know, how to submit to people and just basic mistakes people make and such and such. And one of the things, I mean, I do... One thing that's come up a few times on this podcast is I kind of feel like I'm speaking a bit of a different language than most writers, where I'm not trying to write something easily digestible or just sort of disposable. If I was, you know, then I think I would probably just try to self-publish. I would try to just be an Amazon fucking audible person because you can do that all on your own. If I was just, you know, doing, you know, Love in the Time of Scurvy, fucking whatever, I would probably just try to do it on my own because uh, technically, theoretically, I mean, I like the idea of self being self-published, being self-directed, being in control of everything on your own, seems cool to me. But that doesn't seem like a good idea for this book I'm writing now because I just don't think it's easily marketable in that way. And that really became more clear listening to this advice because a lot of it was just like, it's almost eerie how commodified, is that the right word? How kind of standardized writing has gotten where it's like, make sure you describe what your story is. And uh, the lady who was giving the talk was saying, like, specifically, I'm a literary agent, but I'm also an author, and I'm working on a teen steampunk story with space travel. And maybe there's one other thing. And I'm like, this is so weirdly specific. Just such a weird... I don't know, it feels like you're going into the smoothie place. And it's like, well, what do you want in your smoothie? Do you want the protein? Do you want the fucking extra vitamin C booster? Like, what do you want in your story? You want teen steampunk and you uh, specifically want elements of space travel. <laughs> like, I got you covered. I got exactly what you want right here. Where that is just not what I'm doing. Like, I'm not trying to fit some kind of container for like, here's what somebody wants. It's like that, that famous saying, I heard it from Joss Whedon, but it's that he said he doesn't give people what they want, he gives them what they need. And, yeah, like, people can tell you what they want. I want this. I want that. But they don't know what they need. You know, to give someone what they need, you got to hit them out of the blue. You got to hit them in that place that no one else has hit them. You know, you've got to reach down into the depths of whatever happened to them in their lives that no one has ever addressed. You know, that no one has... That's not just a common thing. That's not even something they could pinpoint something they've never talked to anyone about, something that maybe they don't even know about themselves or that they think no one else has understood about their situation. That's what I want to do. That's the kind of thing I want to do. I want to reach right in there and give you what you need. And if it's not what you need and you hate the book, that's fine. But it's going to be what somebody needs. You know, I'm trying to figure out basically what I need and then trying to give that to someone else. So I just, I can't, I can't just check the right boxes. Like, oh yeah, teen space. Like, what would I write? (laughs) What would the box be? Fucking... It'd be a real weird box, you know? It'd be like, through the metaphor of a space story, here's uh, how a good person becomes a terrorist. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Or something. And that's like, that's one of the elements, but that's not even the whole thing. It would be a box that I would check and I would check alone, you know. No one else would be checking that box. Checking the boxes is pointless. It's worthless. There's no, it's not useful for this story. It's not how it's going to be. It can't be marketed in those easy ways. It can't be described in those easy ways. And that is how I want it to be and that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm trying to be realistic to myself about what this means and what this is, you know, of like I'm swinging for the fences, you know, there's like, there's a lot of potential here, like I really do think I'm making something that if it's any good and if it turns out, it will be really unique. It'll be just the thing that only I can make, you know, that that no one else can copy what I did. And I can see all that grandiosity, like that side of it, of like, what if this is not just some sci-fi book published by some sci-fi publisher to fill some quarterly gap? What if I get published by the publisher that doesn't normally publish sci-fi stuff? What if I get published by the fucking top-of-the-line, like, prestige fucking publisher? What if I can transcend the surface Appearance of what like this is or where I should fit in things. What if I can blast past that by just being that good You know just that awesome And what if from there like I just think like, you know, what if yeah What if I get to direct the movie of it like I can see all this stuff like I don't think it's gonna happen necessarily It's hard to explain I guess it's like It's not that I think all these things are gonna happen, but I Don't see why not, you know, (laughs) it's like yeah, I could see all this stuff. Why not sure? But at the same time, I'm aware that it's very unlikely and super, super hard to do. But I kinda try to keep both mindsets of like, I don't think you can really stumble into achieving great shit, that's not very likely. I think you gotta have a plan, you gotta have a vision, you've gotta have thought about this and spent time considering like what, how would I get to this situation? And then what will it be like when I get there? And, all right, I've got these strengths and these weaknesses and how can I maneuver through these elements of life with the fucking cards I've got? Like whenever I hear interviews with directors and writers and whatever, and I'm like, yeah, why not me? I can be those people, why not? But at the same time, it's not like I just think it's gonna happen, you know? It's like, hey, maybe it won't happen. That's totally possible and likely too. And it's like, I'm kind of okay with both scenarios <laughs> in a weird way. I'm ready for both. I'm not really a big fan of the like super deterministic of like, have your dream and just always focus on the dream and make everything for the dream and push toward the dream and blah, blah, blah. Cause I just don't think achievement is that important. You know, it's not the goal that's important. The goal is just a, a fucking millstone toward misery. It's just a fucking hamster wheel toward hating your life. Of like always trying to get to the goal and just like fighting for the goal. And then you get to the goal and then what? <laughs> I guess the new goal? It's a very empty pursuit. I think the process is what's important. So I guess that's what I'm trying to say, is I, I'm trying to build a process and I could see this process taking me to these places. And maybe it will and maybe it won't, but either way the process isn't going to stop. The goal is just a byproduct of the process. If I get to any of these goals, that's fine, but the process isn't going to stop. I'm just going to keep writing and just keep working and just keep moving. Not towards something necessarily, just moving. Just keep moving. Which you could say, I mean, aren't we all doing that? Blah blah blah, but are we? If you sit down and watch 20 episodes of a series on Netflix in two days, are you moving? I say nay! So how this ties in is, is yeah, the process I think is important. And like I've said how that book I wrote before this, the Last of Us book, the nonfiction book, what was important is just doing it. Going through that process and all the stuff I learned from doing it. The end result wasn't that important, just that there was a result is what was important. And I think that's the same thing this time, is like... Getting through this novel, this fiction novel, will be an important step and something I really gotta... Make sure I complete and make sure I know... I mean, I see how this sounds weird. It sounds like I'm contradicting myself, like... What do you mean there's no goal if you're talking about how you have to finish this book? But I think that's all just semantics, like... Obviously the process is to get to certain milestones, to have these things happen, but then you just keep going. You didn't reach anything. You're not done. It just keeps going. And yeah, I've got that grandiose stuff in my head of like, yeah, what if everybody loves this book? What if it's awesome? What if it's a great big success? And the world is my oyster after that and everything's great. That would be cool. If it happens, you know, I won't, I'll try not to get bowled over by it. I think, you know, I'm like trying to be prepared for that idea. But also, if the same thing happens with this book as happened with my nonfiction book, which is nothing, that's also fine. Like, I'm still just in the process. It's still just another stage of learning. It'll be more valuable just to finish this thing for myself than anything. And then I'll just keep working on the next book and the next book and the next book the outcome is not that important. And I thought of that in particular hearing this uh, interview about literary agents, where I'm just like, yeah, like this book, this thing is a hard sell, you know, like this, I don't know how to pitch this to someone. I don't know how to pitch this to a literary agent. I don't know how to realistically expect any kind of a big outcome out of this novel. Because really what's important to me is just to write the best novel that I can. To write the novel that I need it to be and that I want it to be. To reach deep down into my soul and to write that awesome fucking novel that only I can write. But none of that means it's going to be successful, you know? Like, success and quality are not the same fucking thing. So I'm super prepared for the idea that this book You know, I'm going to try. I'm going to go through all the steps. I'm going to try to submit it to fucking whatever I got to do. Again, I really don't even know all the specifics yet because I haven't focused on that yet. But if it goes nowhere and if this thing is just the fucking shoebox under my bed type of thing, that's fine because that wasn't the point. The point is to solidify the process and to continue refining the process and like becoming more and more confident and comfortable writing every day. Oh, fuck, this weather is so weird, like, I'm just like, it's ice everywhere, it's snow, but I'm just like, sweaty. It's it's so uncomfortable. I'm going to take off this coat now, but then I'm going to immediately start freezing to death. I heard this interview with this guy, he's the first dude to successfully walk all the way across the uh, Arctic, or Antarctic, one of the two by himself and he had to carry all his supplies behind him you know carry them in like a big wagon and he was saying how he had to hit just that right point that he wouldn't sweat because as you sweat then the sweat starts to freeze and you're in big trouble you got to stay at that perfect point where you're you're warm but you're not sweating and I have passed that point I am sweating I guess this happened last episode too if you happen to listen past all the songs there was a bonus bit at the end same thing just in a t-shirt in the middle of the woods in the winter it's weird weird feeling awkward weather i just wish it would get cold again if you're gonna be winter just be winter for fuck's sake so yeah in the event that i finish this uh, novel and it goes nowhere and i can't get anyone to give a shit i'm not going to uh self-publish it and put it out and just hope someone cares because they won't. Like, it's too weird of a book. It's too like, I need, I feel like I need the machine behind me. Like, whatever deal I could strike for my book, I would be like, can we put everything toward promotion? Whatever you were going to pay me, whatever little pittance, can we just put that toward some ads? Like, just the more (laughs) more time I spend looking around the world. It's like, that's the only thing that works is advertising and just making people aware of your shit. If you just wait, because oh my thing's so good and someone will just find it eventually, it'll bubble to the surface, I've had a few little minor successes that way of little things that caught on here and there. But in reality, man, you gotta push, you can't push too hard, you can't advertise too much. It's the only way to make anybody give a fuck about anything. (laughs) And that's what I would want for this book, is like, let's do it, man. Give me the blitz. Give me whatever you got. So if this novel goes nowhere, I'd much rather just sit on it as a learning experience and save it for later. And maybe later down the road, when I'm more well-known for something else, maybe we can circle back. But thinking about this, about this weird-ass novel I'm writing with all this, like, getting deep down into the guts of my psyche and trying to express it through a sci-fi story, The other story I'm working on, the one about the two kids stranded on the island, I feel like that is a way easier sell. I feel like I could check the boxes on that one, because it's like you got two little girls stranded alone on an island. I feel like there's a lot of uh, recognizable tropes there, you know? There's the history of people getting stranded on an island books. There's the history of little kids trying to regulate their lives with no adults around. Like I feel like just by looking at the cover of that book you would immediately get the gist of what it is. It would not be a hard sell. It would not be hard to explain. And I still think it's gonna be really good and really cool. It's just way less strange (laughs) than my sci-fi book about the rhino girl and the squid man and all this stupid fucking shit. So long story short, that's what I was trying to get to is I, I still haven't shored myself back up to doing all the things I was working on. I was working on like a little text adventure video game but I kind of put that aside just because I just got to a point where I was just feeling burned out about it and it's like no hurry there. Again that's something that would be better for later when someone actually gives a shit who I am. I was working on the little horror movie script but that one again no big hurry. I don't know, I feel like I need more baseline notes for that. I started working on uh, my rom-com meet-cute idea of the people that meet at the airport, the weird Russian airport. I started working on that more, and I would like to get back into that more. If I can add a third thing back onto my daily platter, that'll be the thing, but I, I, I just feel like I'm pushing too hard right now. It's too much, my stupid daily schedule is just too weird and it's just ugh. But I got these two back on track. I've stayed with the sci-fi book the whole time, and I was like, let's do it. It's like, put more weights on the barbell. Let's do it, man. Let's fucking get back to that story about the two girls on the island because in the very likely case that my sci-fi book goes fucking nowhere, don't worry about it. Don't be demoralized. Just think of it as part of the process, part of the learning experience, not an unexpected outcome. It might still have its day, someday in the future, but the whole thing will be a lot easier and a lot less demoralizing if I've got my other book coming right up behind it, you know? It's probably a quarter done, maybe a third done right now. So I mean, if it's halfway done or whatever, three-fifths done, that would be great. That would really help me just stick with things and just like No problem. I got no traction with that first book, but don't worry, next one is coming. And the next one is just, it just feels like an easier pitch. It feels like something I could send to a literary agent. And if I were in their shoes, like I guess that's the thing. I try to imagine if I got submitted the Weird Sci-Fi book, I don't know what the hook is. I don't know how to get somebody interested. If you sat down and read it, I am confident that it would work for people. Again though, who knows, maybe it needs to be all edited and maybe it's a big fucking pile of shit, but but I don't know how to get that first foot in the door with that one. Where the the two kids on the island is just such an easy pitch. Hey, you know, Lord of the Flies, hey, you know all these other stories? Lost in the Barrens, fucking Hatchet, you know all that shit? Here's one of those, but with this twist. You know, that's an easy sell. So yeah, basically, even when every time i move somewhere new and i oh my life's all fucked up and i'm falling dead apart on my things and things are hard to do blah 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 that's fine you know toss things to the wayside but instead of just holding on to the sci-fi book i gotta hold on to both i gotta be doing both i gotta be doing these two books all the time because i really think this other second book i'm working on is like a crucial potential future piece of the puzzle and if, if for nothing else than to defer what a downer it would be <laughs> for the first book to go nowhere. Because I didn't really have that with the non-fiction book, you know? Like, I put that out and I had all my dreams of where it could go and how popular it might be, and it just wasn't. And I didn't start working on this sci-fi novel for like another seven or eight months. I guess I just don't want to leave that gap again. I don't want to leave that gap of just, like, being a compass that's just spinning. Like, oh, fuck, now what? I should know now what? The next thing should already be halfway done and just keep going. Like waves on the beach. The next wave, the next wave, the next wave. Starting to cool down a little, but still not quite enough to put that big ass coat back on. Fucking such weird weather, man. I mean, there's just snow everywhere. This is like no-nonsense winter. It's just so much snow, but it's all hot. It's just weird. Fucking weird. And I feel like I had something else I wanted to say, but now I can't think of what it is. So whatever. <laughs> just, you know, the process. Don't worry about the goals so much, because goals will make you neurotic and just sad when they fail, <laughs> you know? Just worry about the process. And the goals will happen in the midst of the process, but it's never done. Like, if you have some goal that it's like, once that's done, that's it, I'm done with it. I just, I don't know if you should even be doing that, you know? Is it really something you care about? I'm just talking about creatively here, like creative work. If it's not something that you're just going to keep doing for the rest of your life, like, I'm just going to paint one painting and I'm done. Like, no, fuck that. Start another painting. Just keep going. If it's not something you're going to do for the rest of your life then maybe it's not the thing you're supposed to be doing and i'm going to be doing the writing thing for the rest of my life like i'm not going to stop might miss a little day here and there but basically it's just going to grind till the fucking day i die so yeah the outcome of any one specific book or story is not that important but i do think it's important for me to have at least two on the go now that i've managed to do that i mean that was a process if you're not ready to get there yet I definitely understand, because if you've listened to this whole podcast series, you know that's what happened with me. I was just working on one story, and I would pontificate, like, wouldn't it be cool if I could work on... First it was like, okay, I work on this story once per day. What if I could do it twice per day, like once in the morning and once at night? Which doesn't sound like a big ask, but it's double. It is a big ask. It's very hard to do, and I never did manage that. Then I'm like, I wonder if I could work on a second thing and I failed. Like if you listen back to some of the old episodes, I'm like, nah, I tried it, it's too much. I remember the metaphor I came up with is because it looks like I'm not doing that much work. Oh, I'm sitting down and I'm working for 10 or 20 minutes, but that's the, the tip of the iceberg poking out. That's all that you see. If you were just to observe me throughout the day, but under that is an iceberg. It's like my whole head is filled with this fucking task and trying to keep it straight and trying to hold on to it day after day after day after day. That little visible ice cap poking out of the water is not the actual thing. The actual thing is huge. And I just didn't have room in my brain for two of those. And then I slowly worked my way up where I was working on three things and four things. Now I'm back down to two. But I basically that's all... That's all I'm trying to get into this podcast. It's nice that people listen to it, but it's really for myself, you know? It's just to confirm to myself, like, all right, you made it to more than one thing a day. And when things get shaky, feel free to discard and jettison the extra shit so you don't fucking lose your mind. But stick with two. You can do two. And two is important because you gotta have those waves coming. When one project's done, you got to have the other one coming in right behind it. you got to just keep the ball rolling, keep the process moving. And even if they all fail, I won't even have time to notice because I'm just always trying and always working. Alright, put this coat back on. For song of the day, let's play something extremely stupid. I've been digging back into, I was a big fan of the Insane Clown Posse back in the day, I used to love them. I'm not shy about liking bad music. Every bad, dumb band in the world, I'll tell you which songs of theirs that I like, (laughs) because there's bound to be some. So ICP was one that really never never got no respect and they probably don't really deserve it, but who cares? They don't care. I don't care. No one cares. But I heard this little interview clip with them the other day that I just love this so much. It's a tiny little 30 second clip, but it's just about how when they were in school, everyone thought they were fucking idiots and everyone made fun of them and it sucked. And now that they're adults and they're super successful and have sold millions of albums, everyone just thinks they're idiots and makes fun of them and it's like, nothing has changed, it's still the same. And I just like that because it's like, yeah dude, that is like, again, it's like the goal, the goal's is not, not coming. Oh, I'm gonna get to the part in life where everyone respects me and everything's cool and no one makes fun of me anymore and everyone thinks I'm the best. Not gonna happen. People are going to keep making fun of you, people are going to keep thinking you're a stupid fucking idiot. Nothing's going to change. So just don't worry about that. Don't worry about the goal, just worry about the process. And when I was digging through, because I'm way behind on Insane Clown Posse albums, I haven't heard a bunch of the recent ones, but I was just clicking around YouTube and this song, Bazooka Joey, is so fucking awesome. It's just about this kid who finds his grandpa's bazooka and just loves it, just has the greatest time. With this bazooka. Good stuff. Bazooka Joey by ICP. Talk to you next time.
1: I could break it down probably 20 seconds. When we were kids, we were picked on in school. A lot of, a lot of people were, you know. Mm-hmm. But we were picked on in school all the time, right up until we, right up until we dropped out. You know what I mean? And um, here, as successful musicians, nothing's changed. We're still picked okay. on. We're still made fun of. This is the story of a man on the edge who all but lost his way until one day he discovered in his palms a rocket launcher. Enjoy this tale of personal rejuvenation, redemption, and scrubification as told by the great Shaggy Turtle. Grand Pappy was a World War II vet and I found his bazooka set.